Welcome everyone to this edition of Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. We are here talking about the Queen of Sheba and Solomon's death and a bunch of other stuff. So let me start <laughs> off with that there queen. Uh, she is a lady that's like in a bunch of different artworks and what, like it, you said Handel made a song yeah, out of her? Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite Handel pieces is just yeah. the Queen of Sheba. Actually, if you listen to it, you'd probably recognize it. Probably. Now, yeah. Em, when you were looking into this, did you, like, is she referenced other places too? Like, she's yes, not She's not only a character here. Okay, got that's it. That's what I looked into. Got it. Um, okay. So she's in Arabic and Ethiopian writings Um, Jewish and Islamic traditions. And then, yeah, so she is the ruler of the kingdom of Saba or Sheba in southwestern Arabia. In the biblical account of the reign of King Solomon, she visited his court uh, at the head of a camel caravan uh, bearing gold, jewels, and spices. Yeah, Yeah. we were there. We remember. All of that. Okay, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So there's this thing called the story of Bilkis. Um, And what is that? That's Arabic. So the story of Bilkis, the Queen of Sheba, is known in Islamic traditions, and she appears in the Quran, though she is not mentioned by name, and her story has been embellished by Muslim commentators. Hmm. The Arabs have also given Bilkis a southern Arabian genealogy, and she is the subject of widespread cycle of legends. According to one account, Solomon having heard from a hoop What's that? H o o p o e, hoopo. One of his no, birds. That, that was a bird. It's yes, a bird. we we encountered this before. Okay, we encountered it before because okay. it, it, it was on the list of either you can't eat it or you can't eat it. I forget. Oh, but okay, it's been acknowledged oh, okay. in the Bible. So okay, one of the birds that Bilkis and her kingdom worshipped the sun and sent a letter asking her to worship God. She replied hmm. by sending him gifts, but when Solomon proved unreceptive to them, she came to his court herself. The king's jinn? I don't know, J-I-N-N? Oh, is that like... Like a genie. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, yeah. is that her, his yeah. genie? Yeah. The king's jinn, meanwhile, fearing that the king might be tempted into marrying Bilkis, whispered to him that she had hairy legs and the hooves <laughs> of an ass. She is. Yeah, I know. What? Okay, is, by uh, hairy legs, I'm hoping they mean, uh, okay, if it's also combined with hooves of an ass, that must mean he also has like an ass's legs. I right? guess. Not just she hasn't shaved in a while. Yeah, yeah I know. That I'm like, some kind did of they a, even shave back then? Come on. She's some kind of a satyr or something like that. Okay. okay. Yeah, so okay. Solomon, being curious about such a peculiar phenomenon, had a glass floor built before his throne so that Bilkis, tricked into thinking it was water, raised her skirts to cross it and revealed that her legs were truly hairy. Solomon so she then was ordered... actually... What? <laughs> well, listen, listen to okay. this, listen to this. Solomon then ordered that the jinn create a depilatory for the queen. So like some nair. She got okay. some nair up in there. <laughs> Hold okay. on. I, this is... This, where, this is bonkers. Where this is, is the story from? I... In Islamic tradition. Like Islamic commentary? I guess, yeah. Wow. I mean, okay, so the jinn needed to create the snare okay, for her. No, I just love that in this story, <laughs> you know, Solomon being very, very wise comes up with this litmus test for getting her to reveal her her legs. (laughs) And 
he sees that her legs are hairy. He's not like, ugh, no, no way. He's like, that's okay, baby. We'll just, you <laughs> we know. We can make this work. We'll just wax we'll it figure off. it out. <laughs> yeah. <I'm- laughs> uh, so tradition does not agree as to whether Solomon himself married Bilkis or gave her a marriage to a Hamdani tribesman. She did, however, become a believer. Well, okay, great. Good. Wow. Okay, so, great. There, okay. There's one more story. I just have to say this story is so much better than the one that we read. Why yeah, couldn't I we agree. have read this story? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, okay, one more. The Queen of Sheba appears as a prominent figure in Kebra Nagast, Glory of King, the Ethiopian national epic and foundation story. Huh. According to this <laughs> tradition, the Queen of Sheba called Mak- Makeda visited Solomon's court after hearing about his wisdom. She stayed and learned from him for six months. On the last night of her visit, he tricked her into his bed and she became pregnant. She returned to her kingdom where she bore Solomon a son, Menelik. Menelik was made a king by his father, thus founding the royal Solomonic dynasty of Ethiopia, which ruled until the deposition of Haile Selassie I in 1974. Wait, what? Wow. Whoa. Wow. I, so that's part of their origin story of their yeah. ruling line was that it was from Solomon tricking her into his bed. Don't Apparently. have any details about that, but tricking no. her into his bed. But she's also appears among the Persians, probably derived from Jewish tradition, where she can where she is considered a daughter of a Chinese king and a peri. I don't know what a, a Perry is. Wow. So she's E-E-R-I. like E-R-I. There's sort of the she's own, all her own the mythology. Place. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there That's you go. Awesome. I mean, that leads me to believe like Well, I don't know. With these things where where there's just like so many stories and so many points of reference and she shows up in different cultures and traditions, it's like either she was clearly fake, you know, clearly like larger <laughs> than life that one, but a yeah. fictional creep creature or person Uh or she was clearly real and made enough of an impression on so many different Mm. people and cultures that then her story was taken and you know dispersed and diffused and and, yeah uh, yeah wow Wow. that's amazing yeah seriously uh okay so one of the things that i looked into was about the ships because i I knew i needed to look into the so the tarshish I think is what it was mm-hmm. called when we read about it. But it in the message, they called it an ocean-faring ship. So I was like, tell me more about that. Like, when did we start having ships that could travel in the ocean and not just on rivers and seas and things like that? And, um, and the reason why I knew that that was a thing was because of playing Civilization, the game, oh, the computer yeah. game. And in Civilization, at first, your ships can only travel along the shores until you reach a certain point in your technology. Then you can actually sail out into the sea. So uh, it turns out that that point in Civilization is right around the time we are now in our story. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So uh, the Austronesians, which is a cool name for a people's, Uh, were Mm -hmm. the first humans to invent ocean-going sailing technologies, specifically the catamaran, the outrigger ship, the tonja sail, I don't know what that one is, and the crab claw sail. I'm assuming these are just types of sail designs that allows you to control your ship out in the ocean. Crab claw. Yeah, that's a pretty good name. Um, so, So the Austronesians, this is interesting too, so the Austronesians are, um, a people united by speaking the same language but not necessarily living in the same place so this is a large group of people from 
uh, Taiwan, Southeast Asia, Oceania, like modern day Australia, uh, Madagascar. Uh, but they all spoke this Austronesian language, which is one oh, of those. So kind of like a proto <clears throat> exactly. common language. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, and that they built these ocean-faring vessels that started around 3000 BC. And in our story we're wow. reading now, we're in the 900s. Um, and they started what's called the Austronesian expansion from 3000 to around 1500 BC, which was mostly kind of more throughout Asia and like a little bit toward Africa. And so that... Okay sort of technology and moving didn't get to toward the Middle East until later, more around 1000 BC, which would be right around this time, time, right? Where the technology would have spread that far. Exactly. And when civilization is having it happen in your game too. (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't remember when it happens in the game, but but yeah. Uh, And that what I found was interesting too is that prior to the colonial era when Europeans colonized all of the world, the Austronesians were the most widespread ethno-linguistic group in the world huh. uh, because they developed this technology and were able to, to spread to all over spread the place. Around. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Super interesting. Uh, well, I looked up Milcom, the Ammonite God and, uh, Milcom in the middle. Ex- yeah. Milcom in the middle oh, turns out yeah. is actually Molech in the middle. What? Really? Yeah, just another so word for Molech. Sneaky. But I thought that they talked about Molech too. They did, but I learned that Molech is also known as Moloch, Milcom, Milkim, Malcolm, Malik. You know, uh, the meaning of it, the word means king. And so probably based on the particular dialect, particular language, it just right. kind of shifted a little bit. So yeah, Milcom it's, is also Moloch. So in what we read, the fact that it mentioned Molech and Milcom separately. And Milcom, yeah. It must have just been referencing the two different cultures and the way that they... Yeah, two different cultures. Maybe they huh. worshipped a slightly different version. One of them eats babies and one of them eats uh, slightly older children. I don't know. <laughs> celery. Wow. The other one's really into celery. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Milcom in the middle is much more uh, docile. Right. Yeah, there you go. Okay, well, we each looked up two things, and the other thing that I looked up today was apes. Now, how? Did you actually find anything for this? What was your search term? I want to know. Well, I looked up, did Solomon have apes? Or something like that. Like, what were Solomon's apes? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so yes, the... This is a fascinating... Okay, I I found it on christiananswers.net. I'm already in. Okay, love it. Yeah, here we go. So, okay, this is the only reference in the Bible to apes, and scholars are uncertain whether the apes were true apes or perhaps monkeys or baboons. Mm. But why would Solomon go to such expense to import apes instead of more useful animals? He had a great number of fine horses, for example. Did he maintain a zoo? (laughs) He imported (laughs) ivory, so why not elephants? Could it possibly be that the king or some of his scholars were interested in studying possible ape-human relationships? What? What? Mm. Hold on. Okay, hold hey, on. Hey, this is BibleAnswers.net, okay? Like no early... one, BibleAnswers.net, nobody asked that question. Well, it says, <laughs> we don't have any evidence of such investigations or speculations, of course, but the Bible does indicate the wide-ranging extent of Solomon's scientific and religious interests. It does? 
He studied, perhaps wrote and spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things we, no, and we of did, fishes. Okay, we no, did cover this. We did cover this. Okay. That he he spoke oh, scientifically yeah, about all sorts of things. Okay, okay. so it was like yeah. a research study. Yeah. Now, I don't know why they need to take it to the place of research study on ape-human relationships. Now, I, I think someone's a little weird Emily, over there, did it say but... the word relationships? Because uh, to me, I read that as like, evolutionary yeah, relationships. Yeah, human relationships. Yeah, I, I know, don't think which they is mean, interesting. I don't think they mean, like, dating them. I think they mean, like, how are we related to them because they're so similar to us. But this is a Christian which website. Which is fascinating, I know. No, well, I know. That's why they this. were noncommittal that's with why, their that's answer. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and it says, finally, and with so many wives and concubines, concubines practicing numerous pantheistic religions, he must have heard of such evolutionary beliefs in other lands. There you oh, go. Okay. There you go. Oh, my, okay. I, even I, even I, sorry. Solomon I, understood sorry. that evolution was a thing. <laughs> wait, a just, wait a minute, wait a minute. No. At the bottom, this is evident dash evidence for creation. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> what? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm throwing this in the garbage. Even this person doesn't know what they're talking about. They're applying <laughs> modern day debate around about creationism and evolution being taught in schools to like this time back then. And I just, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. All right. I want to know about apes. (laughs) Well, that's what I found, Dedeker. I'm sorry. I hope that I gave you a fun time. (laughs) I I loved it. I had a good time. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Jace. Good. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. My my second thing that I looked up was about uh, the wives and concubines of Solomon. Did he really have a thousand of them? And pretty much all the answers are like, that's what it says. Uh, but what's interesting it's the bible it doesn't lie yeah okay what what came out of looking into this though is uh first of all the fact that only two of them get names which is even fewer than david's wives only two Wait, get names who? there's pharaoh's daughter who i guess doesn't even really Not have a name named. yeah it was but like no she doesn't pharaoh's even, daughter. like yeah. she gets a credit she gets a, a title in the credits but right. exactly Not who's, a name. who's identified is pharaoh's daughter and then nama who is the one who ended up being the mother of rehoboam who uh, we just talked okay. about now and other okay. than that that's it but what was interesting is that then it goes on like all the stuff talking about his wives was more about him you know that corrupting him and leading him away yeah. from from Yahweh. Yep. And so this thing of the story of Solomon falling into idolatry by the influence of Pharaoh's daughter and his other wives is generally viewed as the handiwork of the Deuteronomistic historians, which we mm. kind of alluded to in the episode, um, who are believed to have written, compiled, and edited a lot of the texts of the, okay. that make up a lot of this. Um, and that what's interesting, though, is that I, I looked into this that so the Deuteronomists were in like 600, like 600 BC. So another 400 Quite years or so. Later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that King Josiah uh, did a lot of like religious and political reforms, which was and we'll get to this. So I don't want to get into it too much. This will be in the book of Chronicles. We're going to get to oh. King Josiah. Is that after this? Uh, it's a way after kings too yeah it's after chronicles i mean sorry yeah it's after kings yeah it's okay next. yeah it's the next pair chronicles of narnia one we'll and get two. to him eventually but anyway the idea is that he did a lot of reforms and that the deuteronomists 
added a lot of this content to sort of explain why everything was so fractured amongst the tribes at that time. And it's like, ah, well, see, it's because he, Solomon, had all these wives and he was obsessed with women and just, uh, that'll only do your downfall. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. women. That's that's what I found. Yeah. Okay. Well, the last thing I looked up was that verse, the, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. And so first I looked to just see a compendium of like, what are the, all the different ways this has been translated Mm -hmm. in so many different versions of the Bible. And most of them translate it as, yeah, loins, my father's waist, my father's trunk, my father's back. There was one that was like, like my little finger is bigger than my father's whole body, which I thought was funny. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt Um, that somehow, but okay. okay. So that's the way it's been translated. But when you actually go a little bit deeper to be like, okay, no, what was the actual Hebrew and stuff like that, that pretty much all translators are like, yeah, it was a dick. It was a dick reference. Let's not not dance around that. Let's not beat around the bush. We can't beat around (laughs) that bush by any means. Like, yeah, it was... You know, and it would make sense because it was the advice from his friends, you know, these young men these obsessed young with their dicks. Yeah. These young ruffians that, yeah. Yeah, and all someone they're thinking even, about are penile things. Yeah, someone even made the connection of, like, he's saying, my little finger is bigger than my father's dick. And remember, my father was the person who had a thousand women. Yeah, mm. the, exactly. Right, You right. know, yeah. Yep. But so, what he was actually doing with them, nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he see, was gifting like a monkey to everybody. I guess. I mean, thousand you, monkeys, maybe like, a peacock, maybe a monkey a... for you, a peacock for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to. Was just... he maintaining a zoo? I loved that. <laughs> yeah, it's just so wild though to think about the acquiring of these wives and concubines over well, the course be political, of right. No, but I'm just thinking about the, the rate at which you have to be acquiring them, mm, mm-hmm. right? So forty divided by a thousand, a thousand a divided thousand by 40. divided by forty. Yeah. <laughs> what did you got? It's a you, lot. Did you do that? Oh, here, did you? Here. No, okay. I'm doing right. it. I'm doing okay. it. That's, okay. that's twenty five ladies per year. Dang. That's about that's... two per month. So you're Dang. getting you're having a wedding every two so weeks. So like every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's wild. You know what? I've known some people who could maintain, maybe not the wedding rate, but like the hooking up rate of like someone new every two weeks. I've known some people like that. I've known some people like that too, but I haven't known a lot of people who could keep that up for 40 years. For 40 years. (laughs) So (laughs) that's a great point. Well, (laughs) wow. All right. Oh, boy. That was a but, wild ride. But I'm willing to bet. I think that we've read also with these political marriages that it was also possible to be like, she never even came and lived with him or slept with him. It was just purely like a ceremonial. Yes. Yeah. Great alliance. Yes. Great. You know, whatever. Stay in your own land. Um, you know, because I'm too tired for this because clearly my my own... Um, I'm not even going to go there. I'm yeah. trying to make a dick okay. joke, and I'm just, I, I'm running out of steam. I'm not even going to go there. No, it's okay. no problem. It's okay. This is a family show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I've seen uh, now lots of also historical art of this very old King Solomon groping a lot of young ladies. So oh, there's good. that too. Yuck. Yep. Good. Yeah. Yuck. Good. Uh, but they all look <laughs> very uh, European. So it's doubly confusing. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I doubt that they looked like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. All right, everybody. Well, next week is going to continue on, not with Solomon. He's gone. He's gone. Goodbye. Hope you enjoyed it while it lasted. Um, It's going to be Rehoboho. (laughs) 
and others <laughs> probably. Yeah, I and wonder so, if he's yeah. going to last longer than an episode. Rehoboam? 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 I thought that in, in uh, Westworld they said Rehoboam. Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe. Not not the way that Dedeker was pronouncing it, but differently. So <laughs> okay. it's fine, Dedeker. Nice try. Anyways, we will see you all for the continuation of First Kings next week.